Welcome to Hashtag Influencer, hosted by Babblebox CEO Sherry Langbert. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Hashtag Influencer wherever you get your podcasts from. Joining Sherry on this episode is the dynamic senior brand marketing leader in the healthcare industry and one of Babblebox's brand partners, Dave Goodman who's known for his work with Bayer Consumer Care, managing brands such as Aleve, Alka-Seltzer, Miralax, and Bayer Aspirin. Currently, Dave is managing Carousel's brand portfolio on behalf of Advantis Health. Carousel is an emerging, fast-growing foot care brand that has a variety of solutions to hydrate, repair, and protect your feet and help tackle common foot problems like dry and cracked heels, calluses, and nail fungus. Through his vast healthcare experience, Dave's success stems from his ability to develop high-impact strategies and innovations for brands as well as securing transformative mergers and acquisitions. Hi, Dave. So excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's great to chat with you, Sherry. Yes, it's going to be a good chat. I know it. We always have great conversations. So I would love for you to tell us where you're at, what company you're with, and you know, start from there. Sure, that sounds great. So I spent about 15 years uh, prior to this role now at Bayer Consumer Care, uh, where I worked on a lot of different brands, uh, Miralax, Alka-Seltzer, Bayer Aspirin, Aleve. And then after... You know, many years with the big companies, I tried out uh, going to a smaller company in a more entrepreneurial environment. So now I am with a company called Advantis Health, and we have several um, over-the-counter consumer brands, such as New Skin, which is a liquid bandage. We have Carousel, which is what I focus on, which is a foot care brand. We recently acquired uh, acquired Amlactin, which is a skincare brand, as well as Triple Paste, which is for uh, after you change the baby uh, for their their tush. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm really enjoying the last two and a half years working in uh, this more nimble and entrepreneurial and, and leaner environment, and, and taking those brand management experiences I had there, and now applying them in this. In this new world and and operating a lot more on the uh in the digital and amazon and with you of course social influencer space yes it's great being an entrepreneur um <laughs> welcome to the club i know that healthcare is a highly we all know it's highly regulated and it's not always the easiest space to work in what drew you you know to working in with healthcare brands yeah you know that's a it's a great question. Um, about 20 years ago, I was at a little bit of a inflection point in my career, and I was—I uh, had actually popped out of brand management for a couple of years, and I was about to get back in. And I actually was down in Atlanta, and I had a a unique opportunity where I was choosing between two different roles. One was in the healthcare space with Novartis Consumer Care. And the other one was for a company down in Atlanta that makes makes some really sweet uh, bubbly drinks. Huh. And uh, I said to myself, well, would I rather work on brands that 
help people and facilitate healthy lifestyles or would I rather you know, work in perhaps what might seem like a sexier area of carbonated beverages and more recognized brand. But I said, you know what, let me, let me go in the healthcare space because that's clearly going to be around for a long time. And just, you know, not to sound corny or cheesy, but the, the idea of helping people improve their lives was, was appealing. It's amazing. Some of those decisions, like I can re remember the certain paths that I had to took, like one of the first job opportunities I got was to be a VJ on our version of Much Music, our version of MTV called Much Music or a software company. And I remember thinking like, oh, it'd be so cool to be on TV. But then like software was new back then. And then I ended up going into software and here I am. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And ultimately got me to be in the space I want to be in, which is, you know, creative writing. And that's essentially what influencers do. So by default, I'm, I'm living out my dreams vicariously through the influencers. <laughs> so you've been with Carousel for, I think, close to three years now. What did the brand look like when you first joined to where it's at now? Yeah, so it's a really interesting brand. So Carathol is in the foot care space, and it, at the time, it had two primary areas where it offered uh, consumer products. One was for uh, folks suffering from nail fungus, and the other one was more for dry, cracked feet. And they were nice little businesses, but one of the things that inspired me was the opportunity to try and take them to the next level. and they seemed a little bit under-marketed to me. And I felt like if we got more marketing muscle and investment behind them, as well as innovated, I thought we could take it to the next level. And, and now we've close to doubled um, over the past two and a half years through increasing our efforts, both in TV and traditional marketing vehicles uh, like TV, but then also working with, with folks like yourself in the digital and social space. And then on top of that, we've also launched some really exciting new products that are extending the Carousel brand name into other areas of foot care, such as foot washes, foot soaps, foot masks. Um, so really catering to consumers' desire for self-care. And it's been really exciting because uh, just over the past year or so, as much as the pandemic has been such a tremendous drain on a lot of businesses and, and lives, from a category perspective, foot care has really, uh, and self-care has really taken off as people have had uh, more time to engage in, in taking care of themselves, but also because a lot of traditional means Salons and pedicures and things like that haven't been quite as quite as accessible. So it's been kind of an interesting intersection of of opportunity and and growth to take the brand to an even higher level. So you're saying that a lot of this growth in the past year, at least, is just you know because people are at home because they're not going to the nail salon, so they're doing all their as you call it, or as we came up with on one of our calls, soul care um, at home. And that, that's great. Yeah, I think, I think that's been a big part of the trend that we've been able to 
I think, promote as well as leverage. So it's been somewhat of a rising tide for us in that consumers just not having access to salons and then also just taking more time to take care of themselves, I think has really contributed to a lot of our growth. And I think with a lot of consumers migrating to shopping online has been another really positive trend for categories like foot care, where it's a little bit more of what we call like a shy to buy type of category where it's nice to be able to go online and make a discreet purchase mm-hmm. versus making a separate trip to the store and maybe being a little bit embarrassed to put a nail fungus product on the on the uh, on the cash register and, and and pay for that. So so it's been like I said, this really neat intersection of opportunity and uh, trends, and then leveraging that has really been. Uh, fantastic for the growth of this business. So I'm going to raise my hand. Um, you don't see me and ask a question. I think there's something else. You know, I don't do lacquer nail polish, but also the products, you know, were those products that you use like almost like as ointments or, but now all of a sudden something's happening that the products can be used when you use lacquer, like the, the gel manicures and stuff. Can you explain that? Yeah. So there's, you know, there's so many different ways that, that consumers can take care of their nails. And there's also, by the same token, a lot of different ways nails can be damaged. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it could be anything from uh, nail fungus can be causing the damage, uh, too much gel manicure uh, processes can also damage nails. Sometimes it's just a function of of, of age uh, that could cause um, nail damage. It could be nail psoriasis. So we came up with a product that helps consumers who are kind of confused about, like, gee, I may not know what's wrong with my nails, but I know I need to do something about it. So we actually came up with a specific product called Carousel Multipurpose Nail Repair that helps consumers address this confusion about what's going on with their nails and how to properly uh, remedy those, those challenges. And then you talk about this growth. Did you have, when you first started, an Amazon like presence or that was started or how has Amazon contributed to your growth? It, it, it's been nothing sort of remarkable. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been breathtaking. I mean, I come from the traditional world of having a certain expectation each year for how much product I'm going to sell through Walmart or Walgreens or CVS Target. And when I first started two, you know, two and a half years ago, which now seems like a lifetime ago, the, the amount of business we were selling through Amazon was a very, very small fraction of what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a byproduct of Amazon's growth in general, but I think also the pandemic putting that growth on warp speed and, and just contributing to this hyper growth where people are much more on the Amazon platform. And then this category in particular blew up of foot care and nail care lends itself even even more so. So now to the point where you know, Amazon, I spend uh, at least a third of my time 
working on my Amazon business, and that is entirely appropriate for for me as a resource and for my team in terms of allocating their time because Amazon has just become this enormous beast and incredibly important. That's wild. I, I'm not in the... So do other pharmaceutical companies, are there too many regulations that they can't or do they sell on Amazon or because you're over OTC? Like, just explain. That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, all over the counter products can definitely sell on Amazon. So, mm -hmm. so if something's in Walmart or Walgreens and CVS and is available over the counter, it's just as accessible online. Okay. But that being said, we still have to operate by the same rules and regulations that we would. Of the bigger pharma brand. Yeah, yeah. And actually, technically, our carousel products are actually technically cosmetics. And so from a regulatory perspective, we're actually technically not a drug. Uh, so we operate under the cosmetic guidelines because we make people's uh, now we feel look better, but we don't actually deliver a drug, if that makes any sense. And yeah. I'm not getting too yeah. technical. No, I get it. It's just interesting. There's so many nuances and I can imagine like the big pharma companies, even if you're one of their OTC brands, you might still not be able to be on Amazon because the broader company, you know, you have to abide by their rules. So it makes sense. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So you're fascination with influencers fascinates me. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, when did you first notice a spike in sales from an influencer endorsing your products and it where? It was insane. <laughs> right around pretty much now. We went from selling, let's say, and I'll just make up numbers for conversation's sake, 5,000 units of of one of our products a week to all of a sudden selling 25,000 units. From week. one influencer. Yes. And so actually, at least for my brands, because this was such an incredibly new dynamic and completely unknown, I was entirely missed by what was actually driving it. And it took a lot of digging and investigation to actually figure out that it was coming from an influencer, a celebrity, quote unquote, dermatologist who was on YouTube and did like a 30 minute video on all different types of foot care products. And about five minutes of it was on my product. And it really, it, it, it was, it was stunning to see the reaction and what we call almost like a direct response. So I'm so used to thinking of direct responses, like when you're up in the middle of the night and you can't get to sleep and you see one of those TV ads that says 400. I just bought an air fryer a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's sitting in a box. So that, that direct response model, but really what we're seeing now is if a an influencer with a high degree of credibility or a high following or some combination thereof really lands a message, I'm seeing some incredibly responsive sales levels. Uh, and, and, and of course, mostly on Amazon because it's so easy for them to just search it up on Amazon and buy it immediately. I'm actually even seeing the power of influencers transcend 
retail channels and I'm seeing not just spikes on Amazon when influencers post about my products, but even I'll see the spikes at a Walmart or a Target as well. Hmm. And spikes in search too for your products probably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's insane. I mean, that first video came and I thought that was a lot. And then about a month later, I thought we had reached a new higher level of baseline sales based on that first influencer. And then maybe a month later, I actually had to double, triple check the orders I was seeing and the sales levels because they didn't even look real. I was so stunned by the levels. And that was a TikTok video where somebody who had a following posted a before and after of using my product. And it went, use the overused word, completely viral with millions of shares and likes. And I completely blew out of stock of the product. It was unbelievable. It should happen to everyone. Yes. Yes. It felt like a lottery ticket. It did. It yeah. Did. So, okay. So healthcare, you know, is highly regulated. We know. What do you think the state of influence or marketing in your space looks like post-COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think I think you could be compliant and you should be compliant and the influencers should always talk about the product in the appropriate way. And when we work with companies like yourself, we of course guide people and the influencers to speak about the product in only the most truthful and appropriate ways. And I think that's important for a variety of reasons. Number one, as a reputable organization, we don't want to get into trouble with FTC. So we want to follow and be compliant with all of the guidelines and regulations. Number two, you certainly don't want to overpromise your consumers. The last thing you want is claims being made that can't be delivered on. We guarantee this is going to, you know, you're going to lose 22 pounds in two days. Exactly. Right. Right. So, so why over promise and, and under deliver if that, that, that's just a very short term path to success. It's certainly not sustainable. So I think, I think you can certainly play by the rules and win at the same time. Got it. So when you talk about some of the types of influencers you work with, let's go into the details. I mean, the influencers who really, you know, move the needle because all different influencers do different types of things. Some build awareness, some drive sales. The two that you really, or the three that drove sales for you, were they macros and the larger ones? Were they micros? How many followers did they have? Yeah, that's, a, that, that, that's interesting because it's actually from a variety of sources. So the celebrity dermatologist had, had I think, two or 300,000 followers at the time. Mm-hmm. And the YouTube video had, I think, about 100, 150,000 views. So wow. fairly robust amount of, of followers and views. Mm-hmm. The, the TikTok video, the person had 32,000 followers. And that's the one that really went viral, put us out of stock. And 
And that's that's basically a micro-influencer because it's like someone who doesn't even have 100,000 followers, which is crazy. Yeah, and that was, that was stunning because it was counterintuitive, right? Because you'd expect the larger following to yield the higher results, but there was actually a situation where somebody with a smaller following ended up yielding the breathtaking results. It just, I think it was a question of they just had very strong authenticity and credibility. And I think by showing a video of how they use the product, what their foot looked like before, and then showing the after and the dramatic difference that Carousel Intensive Foot Repair made for them really ended up being incredibly compelling and very shareable. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, we always talk about you know, is it, do you work with the nanos? Do you work with micros? Do you work with, so you're taking like an approach to kind of testing and trying, working with all different sizes of influencers. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a portfolio. If you think about it, it's like, you don't <laughs> buy the same industry stocks, right? You want right. Different types of stocks and here different types of influencers to diversify and give yourself a, a chance to win across a variety of different approaches. Okay, and so in that, you know, cross funk cross, you know, what are what are some of the categories of influencers because, you know, to me I'm naturally going to say, "Oh, well, you know, beauty and lifestyle influencers." But then when you start to talk about the products, there's got to be other types of content criteria that you're looking for in the types of influencers beyond just beauty and lifestyle. Yeah, I I, I think that's a that's a great point. I mean, I think what I've seen work is when the person has the credibility and the authenticity. So the folks that have moved the needle so far have ranged from, obviously a dermatologist has a high degree of credibility being a doctor, but the woman who had 32,000 followers on TikTok, she was a nurse. So that probably helped. But I don't want people to think that because it's a healthcare product, it had to be a healthcare expert. I've mm -hmm. seen folks that just are very down to earth and very authentic and believable who just talked about the product in a really natural sort of way and what it did for them and how it made their feet look better or how it made, made their nails look healthier and shinier. Like it wasn't necessarily one particular category as much as it was more about the personal uh, approach and their delivery and the type of, yeah. And what type of content? I mean, you know, I think everyone's so obsessed with stories. I personally don't love Instagram stories. I don't know where you're at with that, but what do you think is, you know, is it video content? Is it static posts? What do you feel works the best? Yeah. I think for our product, I think, I think both video and static could work. I think I've seen video work where people talk about the product and if they do it with passion and authenticity and they show literally, hey, here's what my foot looked like before, here's what it looked like after. I've seen that be successful. So far, I've seen it be more successful in video than in static form. But I think we kind of live in a little bit of a video society where people love looking at videos. So I think that helps. I think a lot depends on the product. So one of my products is very 
experiential. So I'm looking to see that more in video. One of them is more about the before and after. So static images might be okay for that one. So I think it just kind of has to be thought through and what is your product? What are the benefits? What is compelling? And then looking at your product and then customizing what's the right way to tap into an influencer to bring that to life. Super helpful. So I'm going to ask you before we kind of conclude, is there anything, how can people find Carousel? Anything you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, Carousel is interesting. It's you know, having worked on more households, high awareness brands that I mentioned earlier, the leaves, the Alcatelters. When I came in here, I was like really unfamiliar with the brand, but it turns out we have actually really good distribution. And, and so that certainly wasn't an area of opportunity. You could find Carousel at pretty much any major uh, drugstore or mass merchant like Walmart or Target. We're online. And I feel like it's this little best kept secret out there. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I think influencers have been so successful for us because there's this shareability and there's this untapped potential. And whereas I don't think an influencer would be really telling anybody anything new if they said, hey, you know, Oreos are really delicious. <laughs> People already know that. But if an influencer says, hey, I tried this carousel stuff and wow, it made my feet go from dry, cracked and flaky to baby smooth or this problem nail I've had is now nice and I can wear sandals. I feel like it's this it's this secret that uh, is starting to get unlocked and shared. And, and so that's what's been really exciting for me as a marketer and you know, working with folks like yourself and tapping into influencers to share the secret and spread the word. That's, that's what's been so exciting and, and inspiring and rewarding for me. Well, I will say that, you know, it's been a very hard year for everyone. And when I look back on the year, we kind of started working together right before COVID. So I'm truly, we're truly blessed to be working with you. We love your passion and your energy. And it's just been just so nice to have you as part of the Box family, as we say. Yeah, um, yeah it's so been amazing. I mean, we, we, we thank you guys for the partnership. We've learned so much from you guys. And, and it's been one of those ideal uh, agency relationships where, you know, there's just been a natural chemistry and, and a really great synergy and a lot of, a lot of positive results. So, so thank you. Thank you. So I'll end with the question I always ask. I know your answer. Like I know 10 of them, but I'm going to ask it. Name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. Oh uh, yeah. You know, it's Jenna Fisher. <laughs> I don't know. I've been fanatic. Uh, I do admit, even though I'm happily married to my beautiful wife, I, I have a little bit of a crush uh, for, for Pam Beasley. And, <laughs> and I think she'd be such a great, Carousel endorser because I just love when she posts her videos. It always feels like she's talking to you one on one and letting you in on a little secret. So, and she's just adorable and and fun. And so, yep, that's my uh, that's my painful shy. Uh, hate to admit, but but that's who I follow. All right, so we're gonna tag her when we share the podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, Dave, for everything. And great to have you on the show and wishing you lots and lots of success with Carousel. Thanks so much, Jerry. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hashtag Influencer. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. For all of our episodes and more information about our guests, head to podcast.babblebox.com. That's box with two X's. And stay tuned for next week's episode, where Babblebox CEO Sherry Langbert interviews another great guest. This is Hashtag Influencer.